everybody. My name is Dean Taylor and I am your host for this episode of the Good Time Coal Hauling Modeling Podcast. I'm not going to have a guest today. Today I decided I'm going to rattle on for a little bit and tell you what's been going on since we did our last episode. And I want to extend a very heartfelt thank you to Michelle Kemperma of the Colorado Model Railroad Museum for coming on the show. Over the past week, I was uh, invited to participate in the OS virtual chat. It was a Zoom program that's put on by Kevin Rubel of Caboose. Caboose is the Caboose Hobbies store in Colorado. As I've stated before, I'm not very much into technology and surfing the web other than looking for hobby shops and stuff like that is just not my cup of tea. But, you know, I walked in there with the uh, links and everything went great. I was then invited on Thursday night to participate and be the speaker for that show. And I talked about the the goals and the long-term projects of the Good Time Coal Hauling Modeling Group. And it seemed to be well received. It got me thinking. You know, model railroaders we've got a stereotype of, you know, always staying in the basement and keeping to ourselves. That may be true in some ways, but not in others. The hobby of model railroading is unique because you get to have your downtime where you can go and do your own thing. But you also get to share the hobby with other people whether peers or people you just met. I got to thinking about all the friendships I've developed over the years through nothing more than model railroading. I've got some real good friends that because of model railroading, I'm lucky to have in my life. If you think about it, if you were one of these people in the mystery books that think about stealing a priceless piece of art say the blue boy or the Mona Lisa if you masterminded such a heist and you had it in your possession what could you do with it you couldn't show it to anybody because they'd know you were a thief you know you would have something that nobody else in the world could see but you you also could not share it with anybody else I think that a few of us out there that's that's a corner that we've painted ourselves into we have a nice looking model railroad we've done all this work but we won't invite anybody else in there and we won't teach anybody else the stuff that we do 
and if you think about it, you're only enjoying a quarter of the hobby. You know, when I first started out, I had one or two people I could talk to, but the more I've been around other modelers and picked up on their techniques and expanded on their techniques and added, as I've said before, my own spice into the mix, I've become a more accomplished and well-rounded modeler. Case in point, I am not a bit bashful to say that I am against the high-density styrofoam underneath the road beds. You know, I'll, you know, I won't get into that right now. But if you step back and look, there are times when somebody may be coming into the hobby or their return to the hobby and they don't have the skill set to understand how you can build your bench work in such a way to either you know, go below grade or rise above grade and you know, make a achievable scene because every one of us out there at one point in time has done the 4x8 layout with the roll of grass paper and everything looked just way too toy-like. But we evolved from that. And it got me thinking. You know, I've made comments to people and I didn't look at the whole picture. You know, for for uh, no other reason than it is just easier. A lot of people do not know how to use power tools. They've never been taught. They've never been around people that used them. So, you know, case in point, you take dimensional lumber and you make you a 4x8 box and then you put a piece of 4x8 foam in it, you can make your dips and valleys and ponds and river beds and all sorts of stuff and it's used as a a stepping stone, if you will, to get to the destination of being a more accomplished modeler. So I'm going to slack off a little bit on that. I mean, I will call myself if I mess up. It's still not in my mind a preferred method, but hey, it's a method. It will get you there. It's just like I've said before, I might not know algebra, but if I know 2 plus 2 equals 4, I can usually figure out the problem. The nice and neat thing about the OS virtual chat room, I got to see layouts that I you know, normally wouldn't see as those that know me know that I've got a thing with flying, which I'm going to have to work on. But, you know, I was honored to be taken in to this person's house and getting to see their work. Did I walk away with it with a little bit of inspiration and ideas for my own layout? Yes, I did. If you get a chance, and like I said, I'm not a very good technical guy, but if you go to the Caboose Facebook page, 
I'm sure that you can find you a link that you can join in on it. There's a lot of nice things that come from this hobby that people don't automatically realize. The friendships, you know, that's one of them. The ability to grow as an artist. And yes, we, whether we're scale modelers or whatever, you have to have an ability of art. And there's not an artist in the world that does not want to keep making their passion a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. I don't know if Picasso started with paint by numbers, but I'm sure that if you go back and look at his early work to his later work, there's probably an improvement. I'd like to ask that to make a personal challenge for yourself to expand the hobby. Whether it's teaching some of your techniques to somebody at an RPM show or to offer encouragement at a train show. We've got a member of the Good Time Coal Hauling Group and he put out there that his young son had started working on a small section of layout. And this is nine, you know, his son was nine years old. That right there is one of the most important keys to this hobby. We have to be able to pass it on. None of us, like Willy Wonka, is going to live forever. I look back at the times that my father, who was a railroader, and yeah, at times he thought it was silly that I would waste time building something in the basement instead of going out and playing baseball or something like that. But there were times when I'd be down there in the basement and he'd come by and we'd just talk. And he'd tell me railroad stories or he'd tell me, you know, you don't really need to do this on this layout. You should do this and it'll look better because that's the way it is in the real life. And I look back now with the eyes of an older man and realize that those moments right there were pure gold. I had made a comment that I had heard one million and one railroad stories from my father. I'd sit there cross-legged listening to him and I've got them memorized but I would sure love to hear the man tell me one of those stories one more time. A lot of modelers that I've grown up you know respecting and idolizing their work that helped me along the way. They're no longer with us. But every time I'll do something, it'll make me think back of, hey, when Joe Schmo taught me how to do this, and where I've added my own spin on the technique, it has now become mine. This hobby, I don't understand, or I, maybe I do understand that is it the fear that some modelers have of showing their passion? Because, you know, let's face it, 
if you're going to invest that much time and money and effort into it, you've got to have a passion. And a lot of us, I mean, it gets down deep in our soul where we live. Are we scared of the rejection that we would have? Somebody not liking our art? They make chocolate vanilla ice cream just for that one specific reason. Is it that we, you know, are worried that maybe somebody would not think that our craftsmanship is not up to par with the status quo? Well, in model railroading, there is no status quo. There are people with opinions. And that is all it is. And opinions will greatly be diversified upon your point of view. I like craftsman kits. I like plastic kits. I, I like, you know, but I am, I've got friends of mine that are pure masters of building structures. I can do it and they can build the same exact kit and it will look better. Okay, I'm good with that because that is not where my strengths lie. You know, I don't envy them. I wish I could do that because there's probably something that I can do that they're not that handy at. And that's where the trade-off comes in. If we would all take this kind of approach to the hobby... I believe that we would find out that uh, in time, everybody's railroad would greatly improve. I made the comment, you know, there's going to be people out there that will never handle a track. I like it. I think it's relaxing. But there is an aspect of handling track that you might not do it, but you need to at least try it like at a buffet. Because the reason is, if you understand the mechanics and how things work between the rails and between the gauge, if you have a piece of flex track that's messed up, you'll understand how to read the NMRA gauge and you won't make it too tight to where you get derailments and you won't make it too loose to where you get derailments. And I mean, it sometimes happens. You know, these people that are, you know, they want to put the, the wire leads on the joiners. That's great for right now. I mean, but everybody needs to try a little bit of soldering. When you're dealing with a hobby that has electricity and it has just all kinds of metal parts, soldering is probably one of your go-to talents is everybody going to solder at the same standard that everybody else does no if you think that you know no I mean I think that I solder pretty good I've got friends of mine that solder on computer boards and stuff that can make my soldering look like bubble gum but that's okay They'll help me out and by watching them, learning from them, 
my soldering has picked up. Because the problem is, I look at soldering like I would if I was stick welding. And those two are similar. Well, it's about as similar as a whale and a bass. The only thing is they both live in the water. The thing I guess I'm trying to get at. We have to do things to encourage people to be in the hobby. And there's no, you don't have to go out here and write a how-to model railroad book. It's simple little things like Kevin starting the OS. You know, that's a great thing. There's podcasts like this one. I'm not going to get out here on this podcast and tell you how to set CVs because I don't know myself. But I would like for you to to talk to yourself and see what you can rationalize and figure out a way to help this hobby. You know, several of my friends have been on here and we try to encourage newer modelers and returning modelers, you know, the mistakes. Yeah, they're going to make them. I made one out here on mine. I have gotten a new DCC system because I was talked into by a friend to get a DCC system on the basis of everybody has it. If you go to a local hobby shop, you can get parts for it. You really need to get this system. So I got it. It lived in the box for six years because I was so worried that I was going to burn it up or you know, miss a step and fry the board in it. I started watching the videos on how you hook up this particular system and the more I watched, the more confused I got because the people that were given the video talked in the terminology that they understand. It was not, however, the techno- or the words that I understood. I got frustrated, and I'm like, okay, before I even wind up burning this system up, I'm going to do my homework. I made phone calls. I read reviews on the internet, and I came up on the system, and even called the manufacturer and I asked them a me or 101 questions I know they gave me 101 answers and I found out that you know this would probably be a good system for me and what I'm trying to achieve it was funny I got called because of the way I do wiring For years, I've done solid strand, number 12 wire. And the guy told me, he said, look, the solid strand wire is great if you're just, you know, moving electricity from point to point. But when you start getting into DCC, the communications route a different way through the wire. And with solid strand wire, it's kind of hard for it to do its job. So I said, okay, 
I, I understand that. You know, but if somebody said, oh, you need strand, strand wire, I'd been like, no, I know what's better for electricity. Well, yeah, but the thing is, both of us are speaking English. We're just not speaking the same English. And as modelers, I find that we do that a lot. Sometimes people will talk over other people's heads to make themselves appear to be smarter and have mastery of a complex subject. And then when you boil it right down to brass taxes, you know, it's if you listen to it in terminology you're used to, it's basically simple to understand. But a lot of people get overwhelmed when they hear the words they're not familiar with. And it, there again, in the long run, it hurts the hobby in general. Kevin made a point, because I brought up that the Good Time Coal Hauling group, you know, our modules aren't set to make a railroad. We can't do that because you know, the members are so spread out. And one of the things is that the modules in our group are a part of the owner's layouts. So there's no way we can have consistent, you know, we can't model the Western Maryland tie plate by tie plate. It's just not possible because not all of the members are Western, modeler, Western Maryland modelers. But if I have a scene that looks something like Maryland and I'm happy with it then that's all you need is you just need to be happy with your own modeling and a lot of times younger modelers returning modelers they'll see something and somebody will make a stupid comment of that engine's nice but it's the wrong shade I heard this all the time when they were talking about the Pebbler Blue on passenger cars, freight cars, and locomotives. If you like it and you have no problem with it, then guess what? It's the right shade. People will go to what they see. Problem is, if you look at railroad videos, you will see cars the same color, they're different shades. I've touched on this on a couple of episodes back. Photographs fade, they change the color. I've got a picture taken in 1979 of myself and my dad up in the cab of a Shea at Jagos Junction near Withful, Virginia. Over time, that photograph has changed and that shea is purple as all get out so if I was going to pick that picture up then I would have to paint you know my shea with a purplish hue so I can't go by that I have to go by my memory of course that memory's 40 some years old so how clear do you think that is If you're happy with it, okay. Do not, I beg you, you don't realize that by saying something, 
somebody that doesn't know and they look at you as the expert or the knowledgeable member that you know you might talk them out of buying something that they would have been perfectly happy with we need to be careful with our words we need to be careful with our actions especially you know around these younger modelers stuff like that they spook easy and I know that probably 99% of y'all would not do anything to hurt the hobby or to upset somebody and it's just you don't realize you know you don't realize that you're not talking to a modeler that's got your experience anyway I'd love if y'all would leave me a message please go to anchor I think it's .fm uh, follow the links I'd love for you to become a friend of this page We've got some new YouTube videos coming out. And one of the reasons that I do the YouTube videos and I do this podcast is I'm putting myself in an unknown forum so I can get better at doing this. And hopefully, younger modelers, returning modelers will also understand that, hey, I'm trying something new. And I'm probably not going to get it right. But it's okay, because I'm, I'm at least trying to help. And that's the thing that we try to do at the Good Time Cole Holland Group. Anyway, I'm going to sign off for right now. Look for y'all to be careful out there. Enjoy your hobby. And I will talk to you after a while. Bye now.